We are those who live intimately connected to Him through a new covenant economy, getting our identity from Him, which empowers us to put Him on display and disciple others. Uh, Our desire certainly is not just that you hear the Lord's heart today, but for you to be able to apply it. And so hopefully we'll do good in that today. Give some things in your hands that will help you apply the word of the Lord to your life. Father, I thank you for the good word of God. I thank you that when you see us, Lord, you don't see us just in our uniqueness. You actually see us as one body, one Christ. And so I just ask, Lord, through the revelation of the Holy Spirit, through the word of God this morning, to knit our hearts together with you and each other. We ask it in Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. So we've been talking about, for about 20 weeks, (laughs) embracing kingdom culture. And the church of the Lord Jesus Christ is not to be a subculture to the world. We're not just supposed to blend in. Now, if you're paying attention, that very much is going on. Everything's being pushed to just, you know, blend in, fit in, do what you're told, whatever. But the body of Christ, we're to be a counterculture to the world. Now that doesn't mean we're all uh, mean and antagonistic and all that. It just means we shine with the love of God and the truth of God in such a way that we stick out like a sore thumb. So we are a counterculture. Everybody say counterculture. All right. So God's raising us up as a counterculture. The gentleman I mentioned, Brother Don Wheeler, who'll be sharing at the men's breakfast, had seen in a vision a week or two ago. He saw in America all these natural identities. You know, identity is under such assault. There's all kinds of different variations of identities anymore that are out there. But what he saw in the midst of the natural identities was a new creation man stand up in the midst of all these other identities, head and shoulders above the rest to the point where people took notice. And he said, Steve, it wasn't Jesus Christ that I saw stand up in the midst of natural identities. It was the body of Christ. It was all of us. Amen. It was all of us standing together in who we are in Him. And uh, so I believe that that's part of that counterculture that the Lord is raising up, that we stand in our new creation identity. You don't have to cause it to happen. If you're born again, it's already happened. Just stand up in who you are in Christ and light and salt will be the byproduct. So he's been talking to us about several ways that this happens. Whoops, I don't know what just happened there. But number 10 is, uh, if you guys can help me in the back, it's commit yourself to spiritual family for spiritual support is where we've been at. Identify yourself with spiritual family for spiritual support. So that'll show up here in a second. Anyway, (laughs) spiritual family we've been studying is a spiritual reality. It's not something that you and I make happen because we're nice to each other. Now we're family together. No, when you got born into the body of Christ by the Holy Spirit, and I got born into the body of Christ by the Holy Spirit, we became brothers and sisters. We're born of the same father, washed in the same blood. And so spiritual family is now a spiritual reality. And what we're doing is desiring to walk that out and live that out. Okay, so I pushed the next slide and it disappeared again. There it is. All right. Our desire is that you experience the life, culture, and identity of spiritual family via your spiritual new birth. So as we discover these last few weeks who we are in Christ, that we've been supernaturally placed together as one, 
Okay, we're learning what does that look like to be a functional family. Everybody agree we want to be functional as the family of God versus dysfunctional. What's interesting is when God looks at us in this room, He does see your uniqueness. That is true. But beyond that, He actually sees us joined. We are not individually Christ's, plural. I can't sit up here and say, I am Christ. I am not Christ. I have a measure of Christ. But only when I'm joined to each of you does the Father look and see one Christ. Okay, so I'm going to say it again. He can see you in your uniqueness, but really how he sees us is one Christ. Now this is the wisdom of God because we need each other. We're actually interdependent now on one another. I have certain grace gifts that I'll bring to the table. Jonathan will bring some. Kyle will bring. But it's only together that we make a fuller expression of one Christ. Okay? Not individually. I'm Christ. He's Christ. No. Collectively. One Christ. And guys, if the Father sees us that way, I think it would behoove us that we see ourselves that way. This is under assault. Because in America, there's so much individualism and and separation and all that. But yet the body of Christ is one. And I'll show you that in Scripture here in just a moment. I've mentioned that Satan fears a church that identifies themselves as a spiritual family and sees the reality of it. But Scripture, without question, calls us part of the family of God. We are called the household of faith or the family of God. So we're part of a greater whole. We each have uniqueness, yes. We have grace gifts and different bents motivated by Christ himself within us. But collectively, we make one Christ. And if the first body of Christ went about doing good on planet Earth, right, and healing people and preaching the gospel and demonstrating the gospel, how many of you think the current body of Christ ought to be doing the same? Christ is still here. He's just in a different earth suit. Instead of the, the carpenter suit roaming around Israel and Nazareth and all that, he's in all of us with measure. And so collectively, we make up the one body of Christ in the earth. This is fantastic because in John chapter 12, verse 24, they were, the, the Greeks were going to petition Jesus to go be famous and go to Athens and write books and never have to die or suffer or anything. But Jesus said, "Unless a, this is his response to them, unless a grain of wheat goes into the ground and dies, it'll be the only one. But if it dies, it will bear much grain. It will multiply itself. That is what he did. So when the enemy killed, the enemies of uh, God's enemies killed Jesus Christ on the cross, they had no idea. Corinthians says if they'd have had any idea what God was really doing, they'd have never crucified him. Because what it allowed by him paying the price for our sin one time for all time, it allowed that same spirit that was in him to be multiplied and take up residence in all of us. But again, the beauty of it is we need each other. This creates humility in our relationships. I could never say of Kyle, I have no need of him because I can't be Christ without him. I can't be Christ independent of Jonathan. I am dependent on each of you to to be Christ in the earth, the body of Christ. So I'll show you that here in Romans chapter 12, here in just a minute when I can get out of my introduction. (laughs) We are learning to live the spiritual reality that we are spiritual family. We are all part of one 
Christ. We're not here to just work together, go to church together. We're actually all part of the same family together. And I joke about it, but it's true. If you don't like the person next to you, you have to take it up with the Lord because He set them here. He sets the members. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 18. He puts the body together just as He wills. Matthew 25. Jesus talking about separating the sheep from the goats. Remember he said that that which you do to the least of these, my brethren, well, you've done it unto me. So what we're learning is how we treat each other is really how we treat Christ. Figuratively? No, because Christ lives in Pete. Christ lives in Ben. So how I treat them is how I treat Christ. It's not He's not just making that up. Acts chapter 9, Saul's on his... Road to Damascus, Jesus shows up, knocks him off the horse and says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? So Jesus identifies himself with us. That what Saul was doing to followers of Christ, he was literally doing to Christ himself because Christ himself lives in his followers. So again, how we treat one another is how we treat Christ. Now that should raise the bar for us, amen? (laughs) we need to be learning how to love one another well. So we're letting him, we're letting the Lord teach us what it is to be functional as the family of God because we're all part of him. We need to love each other well. And the more we resemble a functional body, a functional family, then we become a counterculture to the world. All right, I've danced all around it. Here's Romans chapter 12 and verse 3. (laughs) I don't know why it keeps doing that, but... It's all right. Keep going. Next, Romans chapter 12, verse 3. Thank you. (laughs) For I say through the grace given to me to everyone who's among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. Well, this is fantastic. He's going to, before he lists out some gifts here, he's going to... What's the word? Bookend it with humility and love. So that we don't think too much of ourselves and think our gift is the only gift. My perspective is the best perspective. He's saying be humble. Verse 4, For as we have many members in one body, but all the members don't have the same function, so we, look at this, being many are how many? One body in Christ. And individually, we belong to each other. We're all deriving life from the same source, from the same Christ. So we belong to each other. We have many members. There's different expressions, but one body of Christ. All right, let's go uh, go back to that one, if we could. Not done with that one yet. Uh, nope. <laughs> back one more, thank you. Uh, yeah, that's it, right there. Verse 5, so we being many are one body in Christ, individually uh, belong to each other, having then gifts differing according to the grace, everybody say grace, that is given to us, let us use them. Notice grace gifts were given to you. It's not like I beat you in line that day that the Lord was handing out gifts and I stole exhortation and you got left with administration. No, you can't be jealous of anybody else's gift because they were all given by the Lord. Nobody signed up to get something. Nobody, you know, 
what's the word, uh, earned getting certain gifts over somebody else, the Holy Spirit gives them. So there's no need for competition. Only celebration and recognition, appreciation that it's a fuller picture of Christ. All right, so the grace has been given to us. Let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Okay, verse 7. Shazam. Oh, okay. I didn't know it was back. Or ministry, let it use it in our ministering, which means serving. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives, let him do it liberally. Uh, he who leads or administrates with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. And then verse 9, look how he bookends it. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil, cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to each other with brotherly love. In honor, give preference to each other in the body. Don't just elevate your gift. Start celebrating and honoring the differences among you. That thank God Kyle's perspective and his motivation His inward bent is different than mine because I need him to be Christ. I cannot be Christ apart from him. And then, uh, let's see, verse 11, not lacking in diligence, fervent in spirit, and serving the Lord. What a powerful passage. These are called motivational gifts. It means this. I'm motivated by the grace of God in me to operate in this expression of Christ. Now, my wife, Stacy, she's asked me before, how come the guy that I see on Sunday, always full of love, always hyped up, (laughs) always in a good mood, exhorting, loving the brethren, how come I don't always see him in the living room? (laughs) How many of you know that's a valid question? It is. And and I, I figured it out the other day. I said, because... Because who you see on Sunday is the very expression of Christ through Steve. It is the grace I've been given. I'm motivated within and what you see when I exhort and when I teach is literally Christ's expression of himself through me. Now, there's no excuse. I need to go home and and be Christ. Amen. I need to love and I need to serve and, and all those things. But that's why you can see differences at times. Because literally what happens is, listen to me, Jesus Christ is not dead. He's alive in me. He's alive in you. And as he has expression, what comes forth? Life. So as we are motivated by the grace of God from within, we have certain bents to express Christ in a certain way. So I tend to express Christ as an encourager. But as we've read, there's uh, nine different ones. I don't even think this is an extensive list. I think there's many different expressions of Christ throughout Scripture that we could lean on. Write this one down. This is big. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 10. I'm going to read it to you. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 10. This is a powerful passage. All of us need to know it. Paul writes, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. Now, that is saving grace. Okay, what he's talking about is the grace that saved him made him a new creation. How many of you know when you're born again, you're righteous. You're right with God. You're loved unconditionally by God. You're set apart, justified, forgiven. All that is part of your new creation package. 
You didn't make all that happen. You consented to it. And when you became a new creation, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Right. Old things have passed away. So he says, I am who I am by the grace of God. But he says, his grace towards me was not in vain. In other words, translated, it means it wasn't without effect. The grace of God working in you is going to have some results. It's going to have some effect. And he says, I labored more abundantly than, than they all, yet not I, but it was the grace of God which was with me that was laboring. That's empowering grace. There's multiple facets to grace. I'll show you that in First Peter chapter 4, verse 10, if you want to write that one down. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10 says, As each one has received a gift, minister it to each other as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. The word manifold means many-sided. There's many aspects. So you've got saving grace, and you've got empowering grace. In 2 Corinthians 8, there's giving grace. There's assignment grace. Scripture says that Jesus died for the sins of the world by the grace of God. So there's assignment grace. In other words, there's, there's areas in your life that you're functioning. The grace of God is the power moving through you to accomplish it. You need grace to be a husband. Do not get married without grace upon your life to be married. Don't have children until you got a grace to be a parent. It's not all up to you. You need to be asking the Lord, have I got grace for this season? Should we bring this child into our family? Am I grace to do this? Is this your leading? Well, amen. Don't shout me down because I'm preaching so good. <laughs> do what? <laughs> like you should have told me that 20 years ago. <laughs> amen. If you got them now, Annie said, if you got them now, start asking for grace. Lord, I need grace now because I went ahead and had a child. <laughs> yeah, we got married. So, Minister it to each other. Each one has received a gift. Minister it to each other as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Paul's saying, I am what I am by the saving grace of God, but there's a laboring grace that empowers me, motivates me from within to do what I do, to be the expression of Christ. Okay, when we have, we use the salad example, Jody Brown, Dottie Webb, somebody spills a salad in the fellowship hall, they run down there and clean up the mess. It's just what they do. And they're not lamenting that nobody else is cleaning it. They find joy in doing it because it's the expression of Christ in them. It's His grace, His motivation in them to clean it up. It's not taxing to them. Amen. So that's 1 Corinthians 15.10. That's also 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. As God has given you a gift, an inward bent, a motivation from within to be Christ's expression, he's saying, use it, minister it. And then, as I mentioned earlier, I love how he balances all this with love and humility. Let's read the message version of Romans 12, 3. I'm speaking to you out of deep gratitude for all that God's given me, and especially as I have responsibilities in relation to you, living then, as every one of you does, in pure grace. It's important that you not misinterpret yourselves as people who are bringing all this goodness to God. No, God brought it to you. (laughs) The only accurate way to understand ourselves is by what God is and by what He's done for us, not by what we are and what we do for Him. Everybody see that? Well, that's powerful. 
Those who live at peace with God do so because of what God has done for them, not because of what they do for Him. And then verse 5, in this way, we are like various parts of a human body. Each part gets its meaning from the body as a whole, not the other way around. Okay, so again, we're part of a greater whole. The body that we're talking about is Christ's body of chosen people. Each of us finds our meaning and function as a part of His body. Look at that, guys. Each of us finds our meaning and function as a part of His body. Remember, we need one another to be Christ to this world. And in the, in the culture we live in, everything's very individualized, but we are not like that. We find our meaning and function as part of Him, as a greater whole. But as a uh, chopped off finger or cut off toe, we don't amount to much. So since we find ourselves fashioned into all these excellently formed functioning parts in Christ's body, let us just go ahead and be what we were made to be without envy or pride comparing ourselves or trying to be something we're not. Oh, boy. So this morning in first service, at the end, I felt led to have Brother Don Wheeler come up, just share what he had been seeing as far as uh, the body here and the motivational gifts and what God's doing. One of the things he said came right out of his spirit. You could feel it hit in the room. Is He said he released them to just be themselves. That you're okay. Who you are in Christ is okay. There are motivations within you that you're not going to run out, hear Brother Steve's message and go cause all the gifts to happen. You're going to consent. These are already written in you. And you can feel it in the room. Peace came into the room. And the word was, if you're going to labor, labor to stay at rest, trusting the process of Christ in you to bring forth your gift. Your person, your bent, your motivation. Boy, it was a powerful exchange, and it's exactly what we're talking about right here. And what it does is it kills envy and competition and comparing. Because like I said, nobody got to the front of the line first. Nobody cheated. It's just the Holy Spirit doling out the different gifts. I remember in at Prayer Shield in 2019, I had a vision of a giant padlock in the sanctuary. You may remember this. The Lord opened the padlock. I don't know if you remember this, Sylvia, but he opened it and gifts sprang out like lucky charms, basically is what I was watching. But all these gifts and the Lord said, I'm releasing gift expression of himself within this body. And I think the Lord wants to pick that up, take that up again here in this season because we're learning how to function a spiritual family. And in that function, we do not compare, we do not compete, we complete. We we have to have the other expressions to have the full picture of Christ. I'm going to say it again. He doesn't see, I'm Christ, you're Christ, Here's Christ. No, he sees us joined as one Christ. So we need one another's expression. He goes on to say here in the Message Bible, uh, go ahead and be who you are. If you preach, preach God's message, nothing else. If you help, don't take over (laughs) just to help. If you teach, stick to your teaching. If you're going to give encouraging guidance, be careful that you don't get bossy. If you're put in charge of something, don't manipulate everybody. If you're called to give aid to people in distress, keep your eyes open and be quick to respond. If you work with the disadvantaged, don't let yourself get irritated or depressed by them. Keep a smile on your face. All these things come out of what? Rest. 
Nobody's working hard for causation. We're consenting and getting to know, and I'll touch on this here in a moment, get to know Christ, begin asking Him what He's motivating in you. This is a key. You can take a test, but taking a test without asking Jesus on spiritual gifts is no different than reading the Bible without the author. It's a headache. So anyway, all this comes out of your rest that, hey, I'm trusting the good Word of God at work in me. I'm going to engage with Him and not do it out of my own strength. If you get bossy, if you get mad, people aren't, you know, if you're the cat herder, you're the administrator, and people aren't lining up the way you want, and you're getting mad, well, you're in your flesh. If you're serving and you're not being recognized and famous as much as you want to be, you're in your flesh. It's easy to tell if it's flesh or the Lord. Because <laughs> if it's the Lord, you're just doing it it's sweatless. It's like, man, I'd do this for nothing. I'm doing this to help and to serve. I love that he put that in there in the Message Bible because that's how you can tell if it's you trying to work something up. Verse 9, love from the center of who you are. Don't fake it. Run for dear life from evil. Hold on to what is good. Be good friends who love deeply. Practice playing second fiddle to each other. That's just part of honoring each other. Don't burn out. Keep yourselves fueled in a flame. Be alert. Servants of the master. Cheerfully expected. How do we avoid burnout? You avoid burnout. See, burnout doesn't come from what you do. It comes from why you're doing what you're doing. Your motive is the key to burnout. That's why if you're just teaching to serve, if you're giving to serve, because that's the inward motive of your heart coming straight from Christ, you don't need something for it. It's your joy. Amen. Amen. Let me show it to you in the Passion. One more translation here. Romans 12, verse 3, Passion. God has given me a grace to speak warning about pride. I would ask each of you to be emptied of self-promotion, not create a false image of your own importance. Instead, honestly assess your worth by using your God-given faith as the standard of measurement. And then you'll see your true value with an appropriate self of, uh, self-esteem. He mentions here, uh, according to your measure of faith, the proportion of your faith. I like this because if you're a teacher, he's not asking you to go be Andrew Womack. Just teach according to the measure of faith you have. Because Jesus needs you to be you. He doesn't need, he got an Andrew Womack. He doesn't need that. He needs you to be you. And then he goes on and he says, uh, you'll see your value, your true value with appropriate self-esteem. In the human body, there are many parts and organs, each with a unique function. So it is in the body of Christ. For though we are many, we're mingled into one body, Christ. This means that we're all vitally joined to each other, which each, with each contributing to the others. God's marvelous grace imparts to each one of us varying gifts. So if God has given you the grace gift of prophecy, activate your gift in proportion to your faith. There it is right there. If your grace gift is serving, thrive in serving others well. If it's teaching, teach and train others. If you have the grace gift of encouragement, use it to uh, encourage others often. If it's meeting the needs of others, then uh, may you prosper in your generosity without fanfare. If you have the gift of leadership, be passionate about it. If you have the gift of showing compassion, flourish in compassion. And let the inner movement of your heart always be to love each other. Never play the role of an actor wearing a mask. Despise evil. Embrace all that's good and virtuous. 
Be devoted to tenderly loving your fellow believers as members of one family. We could even add there, as members of one Christ. When he sees us, he sees Christ collectively. Boy, and what damage we can do to the uh, kingdom of darkness in our oneness. Try to outdo yourselves in respect and honor for the others. Amen. Isn't the, isn't the word of God good? I mean, it preaches itself. Be enthusiastic to serve the Lord. Keep your passion towards Him boiling hot. Radiate with the glow of the Holy Ghost and let Him fill you with excitement as you serve Him. I love all of that. That's so good. All right. So as we learn to be functional spiritual family together, seven things are going to happen. Here's what they are if you want to write them down. Number one, we're going to discover our own grace gifts. That's number one. We start discovering our own grace gifts. Now, I mentioned earlier, if you want to go online and take a gift test, you can, but don't be foolish. You got to ask the Lord, what, what is he doing in you? What, what and how does he motivate you in the gifts? You need to sit with him and discuss with him. Discover the grace that's in you. How about be aware that there is a grace, an inward bent in you and begin to walk it out with him. Here's another thing you can do. Start one anothering. Start taking part in body life, the women's breakfast when it shows up, when the men's prayer breakfast shows up. Just watch. Look and see what people start doing, what holes they start filling, and then look and see what's in your heart to do. How can I participate? Do I want to encourage somebody or do I want to make some scrambled eggs? (laughs) It's really amazing to watch. Even on Sunday morning, the door greeters. Typically, your door greeters are friendly people lovers. You're laughing because we've probably all been there where maybe it wasn't. But doesn't that make sense? You want the people who who are motivated and energetic about seeing other people, new people. You want them at the door. But then something else is when we lose somebody within the body, we lose a loved one. People who call up and say, I'd like to, I'd like to take a meal. Can I be part of the meal team? I want to serve that family. Those are inward bents that are coming from Christ within us. He is alive. He's not dead. Amen, somebody. He is alive in you and He is your grace motive and your bent to help people. Amen. That's so much better than stale, bored, boring religion. Jesus is not just some historical figure we read about and pay homage to. He's in you and He's alive today. The ministry of Christ in the earth is still going. He just traded the one earth suit for all of you. Man, do you believe it? Amen. I believe it too. I believe it with you. So be part of one another and be around the body. Take interest in what's going on. Uh, be around long enough that somebody spills a salad. Who runs in and cleans the salad? Who cries on the shoulder of the one who's embarrassed? Who goes and buys more salad? Just pay attention. <laughs> Knowing that there's gifts in operation. Number two, understand and appreciate our differences. I love this one. As we grow as a functional spiritual family, we start understanding and actually appreciating that we're different. In a machine, the parts are all easily dispensable and replaceable. In a body, they're not. Church is not a machine that you feed people to. Church is a body. 
Therefore, parts are not indispensable. I could never say, as I said earlier with Pete, I have no need of you. I need him so I can have a full expression of Christ. I need J.R. so I can have a full expression of Christ because I'm not Christ independent of you. I'm only Christ with you. So I learned to understand your gift. I learned to appreciate your gift. I learned to honor it and validate it because it's now a fuller expression of Christ. Jesus had the Spirit without measure. We read that in the New Testament. But you and I all have a measure of a grace gift of the portion of Christ Himself. His very DNA that's at work within us. But it's a, it's a beautiful, beautiful plan because now humility is built in. Interdependence is built in. I need Kyle. I need Annie. I need to be able to celebrate those expressions for a complete picture of Christ. Does that make sense to you? How many of you heard us talk about up, in, and out before? Up is your relationship with the Lord, balanced Christianity, right? I want to be strong in my up. In is my inner circle, people that I'm, I'm walking with, I'm close to, I share my life with. And then out would be new people who want to walk the journey with us. How are we treating them? On Sunday morning, you want to have all three of them. Juanita Campbell, who's one of our intercessors, I praise God for her. Because Juanita, if God's not allowed to do what He wants to do at Grace Church, she's going to be in my ear. Up is super important. Right to the point of, hey, if you're not letting the Holy Spirit do what He wants to do at Grace Church, why are the doors even open? Jesus doesn't need to be bored in His own church. He needs to be able to do what He wants to do. Okay? And then you take somebody like Sylvia who loves her Ladies, loves people around her. That's the end. Hey, if we're not going to get together and love on each other well, why are we meeting? That's important. And then you got Scott Knepp over here who has an amazing inward motivation towards new people and how they feel when they walk in a church. Do they feel loved, valued, appreciated? Are they seen? What is the message they're getting way before the message? How many of you know out is super important? If we're trying to introduce people to the people, to the Jesus that we know, out is of major importance. But none of those three could say to the other, we don't need you. We need them all. You remember the story of Mary and Martha? Who got the bad rap in Mary and Martha? Martha did. And rightfully so in the sense that she elevated serving Jesus, cooking for him and the disciples, cleaning their clothes and all that stuff. She elevated that over being with him. Right, He was right to rebuke her because she rebuked him and told, she gift projected and said, Mary ought to be doing what I'm doing. Mary's not motivated like me. You should be wanting to serve. And so Jesus set her straight. But could you imagine the next day if Mary had gone over to Martha and said, huh, I bet you wish you were like me. I chose the good part. I'm sitting with Jesus all the time. I'm, I'm away in the daisies with Jesus. And you're over here doing laundry and stuff. There was nothing wrong with Martha's bent to take care of Jesus and the disciples. To feed them, to clothe them. That was, that was great. What was out of order was her motive. And then that she gift projected on Mary and told Jesus to correct Mary for not doing things the way she does it. Mary can't, even the one who chose the good part to be at Jesus' feet, can't rise up and say to Martha, you should be more like me. Martha's inward bent was fine. We've just got to learn to appreciate that we all need each other's perspective. Those of you that are major on up in relationship with God, we value that. 
Absolutely. Those of you that major on your inner circle, I want to see the, my friends. I want to love and hug necks with everybody at church that I know and love and walks with me. Well, we need that. But man, we also need people who have an eye out for our guests. That they can see Him. And that they can know Him. Because He's really what we care about at the end of the day. So that's number two. We start growing in that. We start understanding. Oh, my notes are down here. Sorry. (laughs) We start growing in our understanding and appreciation. Number three, we see the whole body as God does. We are many parts, but we're actually one. We start seeing our oneness together. Number four, we help each other. Functional spiritual family helps one another. We don't devour one another and we don't compete. I think I broke my finger a couple of Sundays ago playing basketball. And I want you to know that when my pinky was damaged, my whole body came to the rescue. They, my whole body was aware of what was going on with Steve's pinky, I promise you. But what I mean by this is because we see our oneness, we start helping each other. So we weep with those who weep. We rejoice with those who rejoice. If we need to have a funeral, we serve. We give. doesn't matter the cost. Amen. doesn't matter the time. We're going to do it. That's what we do when we understand we're one body. Number five, I love this one. We know that our gifts are not our identity. So even though I have a bent towards uh, exhortation and motivation to the body of Christ, it's not my identity. My identity is I'm his son. I'm his offspring. Your identity is you're his son or daughter. Does that make sense? So, you, so your value and your esteem doesn't come from your function. It comes from who you are in Christ. So you're his. And if there's a day that Steve's not exhorting the body of Christ, Steve is still loved. Steve is still secure because that's not his value. The value is I'm his. So that's very important, very powerful. Number six, I love this one. What else happens? We begin to understand that the fruit of his spirit is more important than the gifts of the spirit. The formation of Christ in you, his character, love, joy, peace, how you treat your spouse, how you treat your boss, how you, how you interact with your children, the legacy you sow, the nature of Christ in you, love, joy, peace, patience, that weighs more than any gift. We start understanding that. It's the formation of Christ is where we're headed. We're all con- uh, predestined to be conformed to His image. Romans eight twenty nine. See, the problem is with gifts and your talents, they might get you somewhere. Your character can't keep you. So it's very important that you continue to allow the Lord here at Grace Church, wherever you are, allowing people and Him to develop your character. Because we don't want you to get somewhere, promotion after promotion or whatever, now you're in front of masses of people because your gift took you there. You've got to have the character development to keep you there. Super important because when, when we've seen it happen, it does happen. People get hurt. That's why we don't follow people. Amen, somebody. But it does happen. And people get elevated and then character flaws start coming forth and people get hurt. I can tell you right now, there's many people not in church Today, all over America, because of certain leaders that fell. So, and I'm not saying, I, I don't know the situations, but I, am, I do know this principle is true, that the, the, the formation of Christ's nature within you supersedes your gifts. It's more important. 
At the end of the day, he's not going to ask you, you know, how many people did you do this for? How many disciples you make? How many songs you sing? How many prayers you pray? He's going to, he's going to look for himself and the why, the character, the nature that you did all that with. And that there's no greater measure of spiritual maturity than Christ likeness. Remember that. Because we're in a culture that elevates talent. And gifts, personality, whatever. More important than that is Christ. And then number seven, last one, understand. Oh, I, let me, let me give you this on fruit of the spirit is more important than the gifts. First Corinthians 13, remember, if I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but I have not love, I'm annoying. I'm just tinkling brass. Could you imagine three hours of tinkling brass on a cymbal? Number seven, understand our collaboration. Understand our collaboration. As spiritual family that's functioning, we actually start realizing, hey, we're co-laborers in this together. How many of you remember the story of Gideon's 300? Remember how it kept shrinking in Judges chapter 6? Smaller number, smaller number. Verse 16 says that those 300 men defeated the enemy as one man collaboration we actually begin to understand wow what the lord is speaking to me and he's working out in me he's also speaking working out in gretchen in sylvia james mary bell we're all in the same river flowing together to become the functional body of christ does that make sense to you scott you guys can come What we desire, you know, Ephesians 4.16 says that when every part does its share, it causes growth in the body. So let me say again, 1 Peter 4.10, all of you have grace gifts. Minister it to each other. Begin to seek the Lord. Lord, what is my bent? What's my inward motivation? How can I be a blessing to, to those around me? And then as we do that, every part does its share. It causes growth in the body for the building up of itself in love. And the world is the benefactor. They get to see a fuller expression of the reality that Jesus Christ is still here in the earth. He's still here. He's still moving. He's still preaching. He's still loving. He's still healing. Is anybody with me? He's still doing those things. He's doing it in the body of Christ. He has multiplied himself. I don't know if I mentioned it. Maybe it was first service, but it just came back to me. Had the enemies of God known what he was doing, they would have never crucified Jesus Christ. Because that day he died, we died with him, and he multiplied his life to be reproduced in us. So now healing happens. Now salvation still happens. Stand with me. You've been listening to Grace Church, advancing God's kingdom, one heart at a time. For more, visit us online at gracechurch.community.